What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to another episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. My name is Aaron Katzker, a.k.a. Aaron the Brain. Flying solo again today. Josh, uh, feeling a little bit under the weather. He's doing all right, but uh, he's had a busy week and his voice is shot. So, you know, he could join me if he really wanted to, but it probably wouldn't be the best thing for the show. It would probably be pretty distracting for you, the listener. So he's calling upon me to to do it on my own again, do another preview show. And we're going to do it a little bit differently this week. Um, We've gotten to the point in the season now where the Dolphins are 4-7. and They've lost five in a row. It's pretty clear that uh, they are not going to make the playoffs. They're not technically out of it. But at this point, it appears that they are playing out the string, as they say. And we've gotten to the point in the season where I don't think it really matters what happens in this game in particular. The result of the game, at least, doesn't really matter uh, unless you're one of those people that believes that you know, on one side or the other, either you're one of those people that believes, hey, we're not mathematically eliminated, therefore this game still matters, we can win the last five games of the season, end up 9-7, and seven, get a little bit of help, and lo and behold, we're in the playoffs. Or you could be on the other side, and you could say, well, we're 4-7, and seven, we're not going to be a playoff team, let's lose the rest of our games to see how high of a draft pick we're going to get. Um... I tend to be closer to that second person, um, a lot closer, because I'm not delusional. I don't believe that this team is going to win five games in a row. And also, I think that that would be the worst thing that could happen, especially if they made the playoffs. Because at this point, and I, and I wrote about this in my article, which you can find at dolphinsreport.com, by the way, to me... This team is at an impasse where going into last season, the expectations were low. And, you know, we all know how last season played out. And by the end of it, we all felt really good about this team and where they were headed. Um, You know, maybe some felt a little bit more strongly about how well they were and uh, how close they were. Certainly... Mike Tannenbaum and Adam Gase and uh, Chris Greer, they they certainly thought that the team was a lot closer than they evidently actually are. Certainly they've been hurt by some injuries that happened in the preseason. Obviously Tannehill, McMillan, uh, Lippitt, you know, a a whole series of circumstances. But what's been well chronicled is that this team really put their chips in and really went all in towards we're not going to take a step back. We're going to build off of last year and try to get back into the playoffs and, you know, let's take it a step further. Let's win a playoff game. And in doing so, they they made some signings. They restructured some contracts to, uh, to make room for those signings. They traded some draft picks away to get desperate to try to make this team this year, this incarnation of the Miami Dolphins, this 2017 Miami Dolphins, a playoff team. 
and it hasn't worked. It's been an abject failure. And now we're at a point where you can either make excuses where you could say, well, they just had too much adversity. It's just too much to face. You lose your starting quarterback. You lose your starting middle linebacker. You, you, you lose a key player at cornerback. You have another cornerback who wasn't doing what the coaches were telling him to do, and he was a starter, and now he's off the team. You had another linebacker who went AWOL in the first game of the season, and he clearly doesn't want to be here. You had a, your star running back, who wasn't buying into what the coach was doing or the coach was selling and you traded him away for a fourth round pick. Just too much adversity. There's just, there was no way to save this season. And if we could somehow salvage it and we can go seven and nine, eight and eight, then look at how good we'd actually be next year. If we were to bring the same guys back and then add a Ryan Tannehill, add another draft class, you know, we're going to be a 10 win team. I think that's the flawed logic. That's the philosophy that this team, that has plagued this team for at least the past six or seven years. But really, probably for the past 13 years or so. That has been the logic that has plagued this team. Is that they constantly... When they get one year of success, they get one taste of success where they feel like they're actually close, it's year after year after year of trying to put band-aids over their problems instead of opening their eyes and realize and realizing that their problems cannot simply be covered by band-aids. Uh, this is a team that's proven that, look, we're not the Browns, we're not completely inept, but we still have a lot of issues, and these issues cannot be fixed in one or two years with one or two draft classes. Uh, this team needs maybe not a total rebuild, but this team needs two or three draft classes, and they need the the full the full uh, they need the full complement of their draft picks. They can't afford to be trading away more. Uh, they probably need to acquire more. Now, the, the problem that they're at right now, um, as you look at the rest of the season and playing out the string, is you say, well, all right, let's tank. Let's lose to get a better draft pick. And the way that you would typically do that is you would start playing your younger players and start you know, holding out veterans because you want to see what you've got in your young guys. Now, the problem with that is, is that the Dolphins are already playing their young pieces, and it's not like they can just say, oh, well, let's play. I mean, I suppose the one way they could do it is they could say, well, let's see what we've got in David Fails, and let's bench Jay Cutler and Matt Moore, but um, the coach is not going to do that, at least not at this point in the season. Um, and, and let's face it, none of us believe that David Fails is going to be the answer going forward. So there's not a whole lot they can do organizationally to tank because that's, that's typically how it goes when you, when you say the word tanking. Um, players do not tank because it's not a good look. Um, 
if you have players that are out there trying to lose, um, you know, these guys are playing to put up their numbers. They're playing uh, for each other. They also, you know, it's like I said, it's just not a good look. Like, if you've got a guy that is not going to try when the chips are down, I mean, do you want that guy on your team? Absolutely not. Um, so, you never want the players to actually try to lose. But what you would like out of your organization is to be realistic and say, well, you know, we're not very good. We have no chance of winning at a significant level. So let's play the players that give us the worst chance of winning, therefore ensuring us a higher draft pick. Um, but there's really not a whole lot that they can do on that front because they really already are playing their younger players. And frankly, the way that they're going, they're, they're doing a great job of tanking all on their own. They're now losers of five in a row. And this is a winnable game this week against the Denver Broncos. You know, aside from the Cleveland Browns, the Broncos are the only team struggling as mightily as the Dolphins over the past month. The Broncos have actually lost seven in a row and come into Miami just absolutely reeling. And so, of all the games left on the schedule, this is the most winnable, it would seem. Uh, they've also got a home game against Buffalo coming up in a couple of weeks, and that one also looks like uh, that that's probably the second most winnable game on the schedule. But Buffalo's a team with a winning record at this point, although I, I, I do expect that uh, Buffalo will fade a little bit down the stretch, and a home game for Miami against Buffalo, I think that's a very winnable game for Miami. But other than those two games... I don't know that there's another game on the schedule that you feel good about as a Dolphin fan if you are uh, one of the fans that you know wants them to win every single game. Um, but for me, when, when I talk about the Dolphins needing to lose, the draft pick is nice. Look, uh, I, obviously, lose as much as you can. Get the best possible draft pick that you can, even if it's not, you know to draft a player at that position, the higher up the draft board you go, the more each pick has value. And that means the more you could trade for that pick. If, if the Dolphins ended up with, you know, the third or the fourth pick in the draft and, you know, one of those quarterbacks are there and there's a team right behind them that needs a quarterback, you know, that's a prime spot for the Dolphins to be in, either to take that quarterback because... You know that's still one of the one of the things that we're going to get into at some point. It's it's a little early to for us to really talk about all of the issues on this team and how the Dolphins need to attack them in the draft and what they need to do in the off season. But one of the elephants in the room is that the Dolphins may still need to find a franchise quarterback. There are still very many people who don't believe that Ryan Tannehill is the answer. There's still a lot of people that are on the fence, and there's a smaller, loud minority that believes that Ryan Tannehill is actually a franchise quarterback. And I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think the truth lies with the people that say, well, it's, it's somewhere in the fence. I, I think uh, 
you know, he's probably pretty close to those guys like an Andy Dalton, like a Joe Flacco, uh, you know, these guys that you can win if everything around them is really good. You can win with him, but he's not going to carry you to anything. And I, I think that's what the truth is with Ryan Tannehill. But, but anyway, we're going to get into that probably a few weeks down the line when the season really starts to wind down. But the point that I'm trying to get at is that, yes, the draft pick is big. But what's more important than the draft pick is convincing the front office that this team is nowhere near close. Because if this team wins seven or eight games, the front office, and, and we don't know the conversation that is had at the end of the year between Stephen Ross and Mike Tannenbaum. They're going to sit down at the end of the year. They're going to talk about the year that was. They're going to talk about their plans for the future. If they sit down in that meeting and... Stephen Ross says to Mike Tannenbaum, you know, how do you think it went this year? And Mike Tannenbaum says, well, you know, we had a lot of things not go our way, but I feel like if we, if we get all of our guys back healthy, we bring back a good team and we put together a good draft class that we can make the playoffs next year, then Stephen Ross is going to go in to next year saying, all right, well, you can make the playoffs. But Mike Tannenbaum's got to back those words up, and he's going to go in with his job on the line. That is the worst thing that could happen. Because that means that Mike Tannenbaum, in job-saving mode, he doesn't care about where this franchise is three or four years down the line. All he cares about is getting getting this team to the playoffs next season to try to save his job. And the odds are the team will not make the playoffs next season, and it will delay the, the rebuilding further, It will also probably mortgage the future further because they'll go out and make moves to mortgage the future to try to win now. And this team is not going to win now. And it doesn't matter if, even even if he's right, even even if the goal is to make the playoffs next year and they go out and they do it, they're not going to be anywhere near the elite teams. Now, granted... Look, the, the strategy may be, well, let's let's stay average to above average, and then when Tom Brady retires, somewhere down the line, hopefully, you know, we can we can jump the Patriots. I mean, one, Tom Brady is a robot. Now, he may be on steroids, he may not be, he's got this TB12 diet. I don't really buy into that. But whatever the thing, whatever the reason is, the guy shows no. The guy's having an MVP season. What evidence do you have that this guy is going to be retired in a year or two? And if that's the case, that's the team that you've got to beat. If you're if you're trying to win in the next year or two, you're not anywhere near that team. And I don't care if you go nine and seven or ten and six and get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, because if you've got nothing to build off of with that, and you're gonna be, you know, having older guys, and you're gonna have all these holes to fill three or four years down the line with no cap space in which to fill it, and no draft picks with which to fill it, then what good is a couple of years of playoffs other than selling some tickets and selling some fans on some false hope? Well, I'm tired of the false hope. 
it's time for this team to take a step back, look at where they are, and say, we need to do this the right way. We need to do this the slow, steady way. And if that means that we we don't go out and try to make big moves in free agency, maybe we trade away a couple of, uh, of pieces that are really productive for us right now, but probably won't be three or four years down the line, then so be it. But what needs to happen in that meeting between Tannenbaum and Steven Ross at the end of the season is one of two things. Either Tannenbaum says what he says about, oh, well, I believe we can make the playoffs next season, and then Steven Ross says, well, I don't think that's the way that we should go, so I'm going to get a new GM that has a different philosophy, and he just cleans house, which I would love to see that, by the way. The other thing that could happen is Mike Tannenbaum is honest and says, look, we're not close. We need a couple of years of bringing in full draft classes. We need to look at players that aren't going to be here in the next three or four years, and we need to chop them around and get what we can for them, or we need to let them go, and we need to save up money, save up cap space, build from the draft, and then when we're close two or three years down the line, if we draft well, that's when we can supplement through free agency. Um, Mike Tannenbaum's track record says that that's not going to happen. That's not what he wants to do. He's a guy that, when he was with the Jets, every year he was trying to win now. And he look, the, the Jets teams really weren't even that close, but he, he lucked into the playoffs at with a couple of nine and seven years, and they managed to get to the AFC title game. And... He parlayed that into a couple of extra years, and then at the end of it, the Jets were an absolute train wreck. And I think that's where the Dolphins are heading, and you see the evidence of that this year, is that this team is built so fragilely on a couple of big pieces that when one or two pieces go out, they just simply they don't have the depth, they don't have enough talent elsewhere to really you know, to have a strong foundation for a winning team. And that's what this team needs, is they need to completely rebuild their foundation. So, that's that's kind of where I am on the Dolphins as a season right now, as what I want to see for the season. I want the Dolphins to lose games. I want the young players to look well, to look good. Um, Notably, I think one guy that we really need to see look good in this game in particular is Devontae Parker. Because Devontae Parker, at this point in the season, and in this point in his career, the guy's looking like a bust at this point. Because he, he came out with all this talent, he had the injury questions, but whenever he was on the field and healthy through his first two years, he looked like a guy that had all the potential to be a stud. But this year, for the most part, he's been healthy. He missed a couple of games. He went out early in one game. But really, outside of the first game of the season, he has not been an impactful player for this team. He's had a couple of games where he's put up some numbers in garbage time. And other than that, he's been a net negative. He hasn't gotten a ton of separation. His MO was 
He's a guy that when he's covered, he can go up and get the ball. Um, the last couple of games, uh, he's been given opportunities to do that. And three times in the last two games, they've thrown the ball his way and it's ended in interceptions. And one of them was a ball that went through his hands. One of them last week was a ball where, it, yes, it was underthrown. It was a poorly thrown ball by Matt Moore, but it looked like Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker simply gave up on the pass and allowed the defender to get an easy interception. And that's just, that's just piss poor at this point. And that's just inexcusable. And one of the other things hanging over this franchise's head over the course of this season is what to do with Jarvis Landry and his impending contract situation. And one of the reasons that there's any question about this is because, well, you, you gave Kenny Stills a nice contract in the offseason, and then you've got Devontae Parker, who won't be a free agent after this season, but will be after next season. And you want to know, look, if this guy's a stud receiver, then maybe you can afford to let a Jarvis Landry go because you don't want to pay Jarvis Landry 12 to $14 million a year, pay Kenny Stills $8 million a year, and then still have to pay another really good receiver in Devontae Parker. But at this point, Devontae Parker does not look like a really good receiver, and Jarvis Landry is having another great year. Like there's, no, he, he had maybe a bit of a slow start where he wasn't necessarily being used down the field as much. He had a couple of drops in the first few games. But over the past few games, Jarvis Landry's been as good as any receiver in the league. Um, he's been a guy that's been criticized for not scoring touchdowns. He's got seven touchdowns now. Career high in touchdowns. He's still, he's still right there amongst the leaders in catches. He's never going to be a huge yards per catch guy because he simply is not a big downfield threat. But he did have a downfield catch in the game against Tampa Bay. And the more you look at it, the more you just say, look, this is a guy that is in the fourth year of his career. And every single year, he's brought it. Every single year, he's been really good. Whether or not he's elite, it's another debate, but he's certainly one of the top 10 to 15 receivers in the league. I don't know that you can really debate that. And, you know, maybe you feel like he should be paid more in the range of the 10 to $12 million a year as opposed to the 12 to 14. And maybe there's a compromise to be had somewhere. But at this point, unless over the next five games, Devontae Parker really breaks out, and I mean breaks out like, 100 yards and a touchdown every single game. I don't know how you don't pay Jarvis Landry in the offseason. Even if it costs $14 million a year, I think you just got to find some way to, to eat that because we talked about how this team needs two or three full draft classes and how they don't have too many players that are in the prime of their career or just entering the prime of their career that you're, that you're sure they could win with. Jarvis Landry is one of the few guys. Probably Jarvis Landry and Rashad Jones are the two guys on this team that you could say without question, these guys are young, entering the prime of their career, and you can and they can be Pro Bowl caliber players on a championship team for the next three, four, five years. I think those are the only two guys that you could say that 
surefire about. I think there's a couple other guys on the team um, that you can make a case for. You can make a case for a Laramie Tunsil if he figures it out at left tackle, that he could be a dominant left tackle. You can make a case for Mike Pouncey if he ever truly gets healthy again. And I guess you can make the case for Ryan Tannehill. Other than that, and then maybe an Indomitian Sue because he's such a freak of nature that he's a guy that, you know, could continue to play at a high level for the next three, four, five years. I guess that's the other guy. Other than those guys, I just don't see it on anybody else on this team. Um, you were hoping that this year we'd see growth in the cornerback position with Xavier Howard and Cordry Tankersley. Um, obviously, Tankersley, a rookie this year. Both of these guys have regressed. Howard has regressed from year one to year two. Tankersley really got into the lineup, I believe it was week three, week three or week four, and looked good for a couple of weeks. And the last few weeks has been dreadful. And look, you know it's bad when right now pro football focus has your top graded corner as Bobby McCain. Bobby McCain has been, over the past few years, one of the worst nickel corners in the league. And, you know, has been a nickel-dime guy for the Dolphins and has consistently been a problem in our secondary. He's one of the reasons why the Dolphins have spent so many picks on, on corners over the last three or four years. It's why they picked a, a guy like Lippitt. It's why they picked Xavier Howard. It's why they picked Cordray Tankersley, because they know that Bobby McCain is not any good. And right now, Bobby McCain is the best corner on the team. It's bad. It's really, 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 really bad. And, um, yeah, so there, there aren't very many pieces on this team that you know that you can win with. Jarvis Landry is one of those pieces, and at this point, that what this season has shown me is that uh, you got to pay this guy. Yeah, you absolutely got to pay this guy. Um, and I'm not one of these guys that is a you know a Jarvis Landry fanboy. Um, I've been pretty consistent up to just a couple weeks ago, saying that I don't believe that you could pay Jarvis Landry that kind of money, that I think that that kind of money is reserved to the, for the super elite, you know, the Julio Joneses, A.J. Greens, Odell Beckhams of the world. But look, Jarvis Landry, he just produces. He just flat out produces every single week. And so I think you got to pay this guy. Um, you can't really afford to let him go. Obviously, if you let him go, you get a third round pick. Is it worth it to let him go for a third-round pick um, and save yourself $14 million? I don't know. I, my hope is they can, they can work something out and get him at a manageable price. But at this point, if it takes overpaying for the guy by a couple million dollars a year, I'm willing to do it. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about this game. Uh, I know the focus in this show hasn't been so much on this game, uh, more just on where we are at in the season. Um, and I think that's probably how it should be going forward, provided that the Dolphins don't pull off some sort of miracle and make these late-season games actually mean something. The Denver Broncos, in many ways, are a lot like the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they were a team that came in with high expectations this year, started off pretty, pretty fast, and have just come crashing down to earth, and now are playing out the are playing out the string. They've got poor quarterback play, 
They, they turn the ball over too much. They don't score very many points. And the, the weird thing about the, the Broncos is that you would look at their, their point totals over the last few weeks, not just their points scored, but the points that they've allowed. And they've allowed over 20 now in seven games in a row with, and over the entire losing streak. And this was a defense that, you know, just a couple of years ago was one of the best defenses of all time when they're winning the Super Bowl and has been just a super elite defense now for, for a few years. And there was no sign of that changing. And all of a sudden this year, I mean, they're giving up 20 points over the last seven games, over 20 points, including, you know, they gave up a 50 spot to to Philadelphia a few weeks ago. And then the, the very next week, they gave up 41 to New England. But I mean, everybody gives up 40 points to New England if New England really wants to score 40 points. But a deeper dive into it, and the Denver Broncos defense is actually still one of the best in the league on a yards per play, a yards allowed per play basis. They have the number one run defense in the league on a yards per rushing attempt. I just think, you know, maybe this is a, a, a team where the offense has just been so bad, has turned the ball over so much, and has put their defense in so many bad spots that they just... That, that's been the biggest problem on this Denver Broncos team. It, it hasn't necessarily been that it's a bad defense. But that said, <laughs> the Dolphins get a kind of a break this week because Aqib Tlaib, after getting into a brawl with, with Michael Crabtree, he's out. They've got a couple of other guys missing. you still got Chris Harris, uh, Pro Bowl corner on one side, but two other inexperienced corners. So there is... Um, there are some places where the Dolphins can attack in the passing game. Obviously, I don't expect the Dolphins to have very much success running the ball. They've been a, a poor running team as is, and they go up against the number one running defense. So you shouldn't expect the Dolphins to have very much success running the ball in this game. But I think there are some places where the Dolphins can attack Denver, and I don't think Chris Harris is going to shadow Devontae Parker. There's really not very much reason for him to do that, as Parker really hasn't produced. So, you know, that would tell me that, you know, this is a this is a prime opportunity for Adam Gase and Jay Cutler, who's going to get the start after he uh, was removed from the concussion protocol. This is an opportunity for those guys to get Devontae Parker involved. It's an opportunity for Devontae Parker to prove that, that he can make something happen out there. Um, and it's also an opportunity to move Jarvis Landry around. If Jarvis Landry isn't going to be shadowed by Chris Harris and I don't think Chris Harris is going to shadow Landry because Landry is a guy that the Dolphins like to move around a lot you know this is a situation where Landry can really attack these guys Kenny Stills can attack these guys and I think the Dolphins can maybe put up some points in this game if they can protect Jay Cutler um, on the other side of the ball look Denver is, is as inept on offense as the Dolphins are uh, these are two of the worst offenses in the league, two of the lowest scoring teams in the league, two teams that turn the ball over as much as anybody else in the league. Um, I struggle to make a prediction in this one. I want the Dolphins to lose, but I fear and I feel that the Dolphins are going to win this game. They're going to find a way to win this game. They're going to find a way to put up 20 points, and that's all it's going to take to beat this Denver Broncos team. I said the Dolphins win it. 
20 to 16. So usually when I pick for the Dolphins, I say I hope I'm right, but there's a good chance that I'm wrong because they're the same old Dolphins. Well, here's one where I hope I'm wrong, but I fear that I'm right because they're the same old Dolphins, and they will find a way to mediocrity. Until our wrap-up show, which will probably be Sunday afternoon, if not Monday night, I am Aaron the Brain for Josh Katzker. We'll see you all next time. Oh, um, obviously this is kind of late in the going, but you know this is what happens when I start rambling on my solo shows. You should definitely be following us on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. You should follow Bad Bruno at Bad Bruno Punk. You should be, uh, you should uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate, review. Uh, you know, tell us how we're doing. Give us any and all feedback so that we can make the show better for you, the listener. And yeah, so so now that I got all that on the out of the way here at the very end of the show, where. Probably nobody else is listening. Until next time, for Josh, I am Aaron. Let's go Dolphins.